You are listening to audio provided by FBC Farwell. To find more resources or to donate to this ministry, please check out fbcfarwell.org. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me uh, to John chapter 15. Uh, John chapter 15, as we, as we continue in our series, actually today will be the last day uh, of our series uh, that we've t- entitled Anchored. Uh, we've been looking over the last three weeks, this will be the fourth week, at the importance of us being uh, anchored in Jesus Christ. Man, we live in a world where the, uh, the cultural uh, foundation is shifting and it is shaking, right? And we need to be anchored in something that does not change. We need to be anchored not in something, but we need to be anchored in someone. And that someone is Jesus Christ. We've been looking for a couple of weeks now, three weeks, um, at the importance of being anchored. We, we, the first week we talked about the importance of being anchored in the real, uh, in the real Jesus. We looked at several. There's, there's hundreds, there's thousands of counterfeit saviors, but there is only one Savior, and His name is Jesus. The second week, we went more detailed in that. And, and who is Jesus? Just for many of us, just being reminded of who our Savior is. And then last week, we talked about that He is worthy of our devotion, that Jesus Christ, the one who saved us, the one who went to the cross for us, the one who God raised up from the dead for us, for you and for me, is worthy of our our devotion. If, you've, if, you, if you haven't been here the last several weeks, I would encourage you to go back and, and you can go on our website, you can go on uh, any place you get uh, a, a podcast and you can, you can find uh, the sermons there and, and get caught up. But today I want to talk about this. How do we stay anchored? How do we stay anchored? And then if you will, a, a somewhat of a subtitle, what are the tangible results that I'm doing so? How do we stay anchored? And, and then how can I quantify that, if you will? What are, the, what are the tangible results that I am staying anchored? How can I see that? How can I even maybe look back and go, you know what, I'm, I am more anchored today than I was four weeks ago. Or I'm more anchored today than I was a year ago. Uh, I want to give you that this morning. I'll give you some, uh, some, some insight on that from, uh, from God's Word. John chapter 15, the setting is this. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. Judas Iscariot has already uh, left uh, the upper room, and so it's Jesus and the 11 uh, disciples. Jesus has already, on multiple times, uh, told the disciples that he is going to uh, be crucified, and, and he's going to be killed, and, and, uh, and, and, but he's going to uh, rise again three days later and uh, uh, eventually uh, ascend into heaven. He is, he is preparing the disciples for this. He's told them on multiple occasions, but, but right before John chapter 15, he tells them that one more time. And you can imagine the questions. We're going to look at them here in just a second. But the, the questions began just to, I mean, just a scatter shot of questions. And you can imagine why. Here's these 11 disciples who have, they've sold out everything to follow Jesus. Like they, they don't know anything else now. They, they've sold their businesses. They've, they have left family. And, and Jesus is the only thing. They have been walking with him. They have been, they have been living life with Jesus for the last uh, two and a half, three years. 
every day, every moment of their life. It's with Jesus. And here, here they are having this, they're hearing this news once again, and they, they recognize that the time is, is imminent, that, that Jesus is going to be arrested and, and, then, and then crucified. Um, and they hear his words that he is going to rise again. Uh, but but there's, there's these questions. The unknowns. Can, can you imagine? I mean, just, I really want, and I, and I want you to see the setting because I want you to understand the words that Jesus is going to share in John chapter 15. I really want you to understand the, the setting and where he is saying these words. Much like, I think, what a lot of us are feeling today. The, just so many unknowns of life. Like at some point, I guess we thought we like, knew, we were confident of what was going to happen. Here in John chapter 15, Jesus is answering what to do in the unknowns. I want you to, I want you to hear some of these questions. You can follow along on the screen, or, or if you want, just turn back to, to John chapter 13. I'm going to start with the first one. Jesus just told man, I'm going to leave you, I'm going to be crucified, I will rise again three days later, uh, eventually ascend into heaven. Listen, Peter starts off the question, where are you going? And Jesus has already told him multiple times. But Peter, he's, parents, you understand this. Like you, that age where it's like a thousand questions before 6.30 a.m. from the toddler. Right? This is, this is what Jesus is, this is what it's like. It's just a, man, it's a scattershot of questions. Here, here's, here's Peter where are you going, Jesus? Skip forward just a little bit. John chapter 14, verse 5. Thomas says this. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Three verses later in verse 8, Philip says, show us the Father and that's enough for us. A few verses later in verse 22, John chapter 14, verse 22. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? You see, it's all of these questions that, that really aren't connected to one another. It's just like, man, we got we to find out, Jesus. What, we, we have too many unknowns and we need, we need some grounding. We need to be anchored in something. And it is in that setting right before Jesus is arrested, right before He is crucified, He's leaving His disciples. It's at the end of His discipleship journey with these 11 men that Jesus gives these incredibly comforting words. Powerful, powerful words found in John chapter 15. They were meant to give the disciples incredible peace in the midst of the unknowns. And they are meant to give you and I incredible peace and comfort and confidence in the middle of the unknowns. Listen to the words. You ready? John chapter 15. Hang on. Words on my Bible have shrunk in the last few years. All right, you ready? Ready? Here we go. John chapter 15. Amidst all of these questions, they leave the upper room. And as they are walking, more than likely walking to uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, listen to what Jesus says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, He removes. 
and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Now this, this is a command. This is an imperative command that, that Jesus gives the disciples. Remain in me. And some of your translations will use the word abide. Abide in me. And I actually like that word more. It's, it, is, it is living. It is dwelling. It is, it is, it is sitting in a place. Just, just abide right here. Here's, here's the command that Jesus has given them. Amongst all of their questions of the unknowns, Jesus says this, Abide Remain in me. Who is me? It's Jesus, the vine. And I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains or unless it abides on the vine, neither can you unless you remain or abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not abide or if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide or if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Verse 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be My disciples. My Father glorifies in this, that you produce much fruit. How does a, how, how does a branch produce fruit? It stays, it remains, it abides in the vine. So God glorifies in His children when we stay in the vine, when we abide in the vine, and we produce much fruit, and by doing so, we prove to be believers. We prove to be disciples. What Jesus is saying. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this is Your Word. This is Your Holy Word. This is Your Word that was breathed out by you for the disciples some 2,000 years ago, but it is just as relevant for us today as it was at that very moment. Oh God, help us to see the truth of this Word. Help us to apply it to our own lives. It's in Your Son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. How do we... Let's start here. Let me ask this question. How do we become a branch in the vine? That's really a great, great question because before we can ever talk about abiding or, or remaining in the vine, we need to answer the question, how do we become a branch in the vine? You and I become a branch by trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's how we become a branch, by trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, we don't initiate this. God initiates this. 
God initiates this when he convicts us by the power of the Holy Spirit of our sin. When he does it, if you remember this a couple of weeks ago, not when he steps on our toes, but when he pierces our heart, when he pierces our heart of our sin, when we recognize that our sin is no longer just a, uh, an everyday habit, no longer just, hey, this is just something that everybody else does. No, it, it breaks the heart of God. It cost him the blood of his son, all the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. At that moment, the initiation has started. And we accept Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus Christ, we say yes to His salvation. We say yes to His Lordship. It is at that moment we become a branch. Listen, if you're a Christian, then you are a branch in the vine who is none other than King Jesus. Listen, as the life... Just get the imagery here. As the life of Jesus begins to flow through you. The fruit that begins to produce, be produced by you is coming from the source that is flowing through you. You see what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? Get this picture. And I want you to know this. That but when, when, a, when a branch is grafted into a vine, it's not one that just grew Listen, our sin separated us from God from the, from the very source. And so when you and I become a branch, we are, we are grafted into the vine, which means this, when you graft a branch into a vine, the vine has to be cut open. The vine has to be exposed to be able to receive the stranger branch. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus was split open. His blood was poured out for us so the, so the branch could be grafted in. And when the branch is grafted in, then, then the sustenance, the, uh, the source begins to flow through the branch. And the fruit is now, not the fruit of the branch, but it is now the fruit of the vine. That's the picture that Jesus is painting for us here. Listen, as you, this is key, this is so key, as you yield your life to Jesus, in other words, when you, when you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who is your true vine? Then you simply rest in Him. The vine, I'm sorry, the, bra- the branch rests in the vine. The branch isn't worried. The branch isn't fearful. The branch isn't the producer of the sustenance for the fruit. The branch is just to remain. And as it remains, as it abides, then it simply rests in the vine. Look again at verse 4. Abide in me or remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. Here's what he's saying. As you abide in me, as you abide in me, you will be a living branch receiving the, receiving the very source of your life and all of your sustenance comes through me and it flows into you. That's what Jesus is saying here in verse 4. 
And through that connected, living relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the true vine, you will produce fruit. You will. Not only will you produce fruit, but Jesus makes it clear that our purpose on earth, the proof that we are even children of God, is that we will produce fruit and produce much fruit. Look again at verse 8. What do you say? My Father is glorified by this, by that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. I ask you a question. Are you producing fruit? I don't get into some of that here in just a moment, what that looks like. Are you producing much fruit through abiding in Christ? If you're not, not only will you struggle with understanding our purpose of why Jesus put us here on earth, you won't even begin to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus promises. We all know John chapter 10, 10, or many of us maybe understand, know the, the verse John 10, 10, I have come to give you life and give it to you in abundance. But listen, unless we are producing fruit, unless we are remaining in the vine, then, 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 then listen, we, not only will we not produce fruit, we won't even understand the, the joy of that abundance. You'll be tossed by the shifting sands. It's like just kind of whatever culture is saying is right or whatever culture is saying is wrong. That's just kind of the, the bent. That's just the, way, the direction that you, that you go. Listen, when we fail to abide in Christ, understanding that He is the source of our daily life, not only do we struggle understanding our purpose, and not only do we miss out on the abundant life Jesus promises, but listen, here's the greatest tool that we have, which is prayer. We miss out on the beauty and the, and the richness of prayer. Look at, verse, look at verse 7. If you abide, remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Now, I hope you don't, I hope you, you don't see that and, and just think this is, man, just kind of a, a blank check. Matter of fact, and if you look, just skip down. This isn't going to be on the screen. This is like a freebie. Uh, look, at, uh, look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name. Listen, this isn't a, this isn't a blank check. It's, it's, it's asking with the name of Jesus Christ, which means that we can only ask what the will of the Father is. But here's what he says, whatever you ask in my name, it will be done for you. Listen, if we're not abiding, then we if we're not abiding in Jesus Christ, then we miss out on the powerful, the beauty, beautiful gift of prayer. Let me ask you, are your, are your prayers hindered? Does it sometimes feel like your prayers just don't get out? Maybe not even get out of your head, but they don't like there's a a barrier at the, at the city. Like your prayers just don't get out, out of the room. Are you asking? You don't ever feel like you get an answer. If so, then maybe the reason is you're not abiding 
Christ. I believe there's many reasons that could, our prayers could be hindered, but this is a big one. It might be that you're not abiding in Christ. You say, man, I, I, I'm praying. I'm, I'm asking. I'm, I'm over and over and over and I'm asking. I want you to hear this statement. I thought long and hard about including this statement in my message this morning, and I want you to hear it. Religion will teach you to pray. Culture teaches us to pray, right? You live in a Bible Belt community like ours, and just the culture around us will teach us to pray. Religion will teach us to pray. But an abiding, dependent relationship with King Jesus will teach you how to listen to His answer. Not only will abiding in Christ teach you how to listen to His answer, it will teach you how to believe in His answer. There are many people who are asking, we know how to ask, but we don't know how to listen. There are many people who know how to ask, and we're waiting on a fresh word from God, but we're rejecting the true word of God. And so abiding in Christ teaches us not only how to listen and not only how to believe His answer, but third is this, and this is maybe the biggest of all. Abiding in Christ teaches us how to trust His answer. Have you ever not liked Jesus' answer? I'm going to loosen the halo just a little, little bit. I'm telling you, I, I have prayed to God, got an answer, and go, I, that's, mm-mm, God, no. I know better. Come on now. Get on the same page. Come on, God. Listen, God is not abiding in us. We're called to abide in Him. And when we abide in Him, then we can ask. And when we ask, and we're abiding in Him, then we begin to learn how to listen, we begin to learn how to believe, and we begin to learn how to trust the answer that He gives us. Because sometimes the answer, we don't like it. And sometimes the answer, we don't trust it. We go, man, I, 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 I can't see it. I don't know how it's even possible. I, just, I don't believe it, God. It's a great place to start. God can handle those type of uh, conversations back to Him. What keeps us from abiding in Jesus? What keeps us from from staying connected to remaining in Jesus Christ? Certainly we don't fall because the task is too complicated. It's not hard to abide somewhere. Like, I'm just going to sit here for a while. That's not difficult. To remain somewhere is is fairly easy. Uh, it's, It's simply just remaining connected to the true vine. It doesn't take a seminary degree to figure out how to abide, to be obedient to John chapter 15, verse 5. I, I think one of the best things we can do is just observe nature. Think about it. Can you imagine walking into a cotton field? I hope I'm getting my terminology right here, okay? So Ryan can correct, correct me if I get this wrong. <clears throat> Later, not like right now. Imagine walking into a cotton field. And hearing the cotton grunting inside of the bowl. I get it right? Okay. Can, 
would, would that not be weird? Like walking out of the cotton field and just right out in the middle, and you just hear all this, gotta get out. The sun is out. I gotta, I gotta break through. That would be so, I mean, it was weird for me just to do that. And I don't mind being a fool just for you to get the point. But it would really be weird if you like walked, if you walked through like a corn maze, which kind of scares me. I'm kind of freaked out about doing that anyway. But to walk through like a, a cornfield and hear, hear the corn going pop, 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 pop. Gotta get out. Oh. What is it doing? You don't, you, don't hear the, you don't hear the cotton grunt. You don't hear the corn grunt. They simply abide where they are at, receiving its sustenance from the vine. And over time, by the grace of God, the crop grows, right? By faith. You and I have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. You are a living branch connected to a living vine. Just as a branch gets its life from the vine, so a believer gets her life from Jesus Christ, the true vine. Listen, there are many believing men and women who have not grown enough in their faith to realize that the genuine source of their life is Jesus Christ. Fortunately, too many. A true sign of this is the astonishing number of people, not only outside the church, but even inside the church as well, who seek other outlets to bring them true joy, to bring them true peace, to bring them true confidence in their life, true, true meaning in their life, looking outside of Jesus Christ. Listen, there is no person, there is no place, there is no thing, there is no title, there is no accolade, there is no position, there is no popularity, there is no reputation that can bring you the true joy of abiding in Jesus Christ. Listen, the Word of God bears that out. I can tell you on a and that ought to be enough, but I can tell you on a personal level, that is true. There is nothing in this world. Oh man, I, I, you know, I, love, I love having friends. I love living here in Fargo. I love our house. I love the things. I don't have a lot of things, but I love some of the, I love all the things that I have. Like I got a new, I got my only like fly fishing rod this year. Like I love it. I, I can't do it, but I, I love. I mean, I love my things, but that those things don't don't bring me joy. Those things ultimately aren't going to bring me peace. I love being the pastor of this church. I love being encouraged by you. I love all of those things, but but if if my if my hope is in those things, if my joy is tied up in those things, if listen, I'm, I'm going to be a broken mess. Listen, those who lack a living union with Jesus Christ cannot bear the fruit that brings God glory. It's not going to happen. Spiritual fruit is the natural result. It's the natural flow 
of being connected to Jesus. Oh, listen, someone may be able to manufacture religious substitute, like, you know, just kind of uh, work, work themselves up to be able to produce some fruit for a short amount of time, but it will always fall short. It will always be temporary. Listen, when a, true, when a fruit tree fails to produce fruit, you know what the farmer does? He prunes it. He cuts it back. And he continues to, continues to cut it back. He continues to remove all of the dead weight until it can start producing. That's, as a Christian, that's sometimes some of the most painful moments is when God begins to prune and remove the dead weight that keeps us from producing the fruit. Look again at verse 2. John chapter 15, verse 2. Look at what it says. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, He removes. Who is that? That's God. God's the gardener. And He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. If you're a Christian, you can be sure that one of two things is happening. Number one, you're producing fruit to, the, to God's glory for His honor. That's one. Number two, God is pruning you so that you can produce more of His fruit. And that's painful. And that sometimes causes a lot of questions. God, why are you doing this? I thought everything was good. I thought I was man on the right track. You are. God is pruning you to produce more fruit. That's always painful. But it is oh, so worth it. Listen, if you can live your life doing nothing for the kingdom of God, then you may not even be a part of His kingdom at all. And I know that's hard to hear, but that's truth. If you're a Christian, either you are bearing fruit for God, that's enabling you to produce the fruit. But hear me. An extended time of willful idleness never characterizes the life of a believer. Let me say that again. An extended time of willful idleness never characterizes the life of a genuine believer. There's no example in Scripture of a genuine believer who sits for an extended period of time on the sideline of faith producing no spiritual fruit. Look from Genesis to Revelation. You'll, you won't, I, I don't believe you'll find one. None. Zero. There's also no example of, in Scripture of a genuine believer growing spiritual fruit for its own consumption. Listen, you, you, won't, you won't see like corn like feeding off of itself. Cotton feeding off of an apple tree feeding off of itself. No, it's producing fruit for others. Fruit exists to nourish others. If a branch is doing nothing at all, the only disciplinary action Jesus mentions in John chapter 15 is to cut off the branch entirely and throw it into the fire. That's the disciplinary action. Listen, being anchored to Jesus will produce spiritual fruit. There's many. I don't have time to go through all of them. I'm going to share three with you this morning. 
and I'm going to do them really quickly. The first is this. The fruit of a sanctified life. Sanctification is the growing in righteousness or holiness. That's what it means. So, so a Christian who is abiding in Christ uh, will, will have the fruit hanging off of them of a righteous, a growing in righteousness, growing in holiness. Holiness refers to the beauty and the character of God displayed in our daily lives. The character of God begins to be displayed in the things that we say, the places that we go. Holiness means growth in godly behavior. Becoming more and more like Christ. Not perfection, but, but this, this, this growing, fruit-bearing of being more like Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 22. Look at what the Apostle Paul says here. But now, since you have been set free from sin, now that you've been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, He is our Lord, He is our Master, You have your fruit which results in sanctification. The process of growing in holiness. The process of growing in righteousness. The process of of being more of Christ and less of me. And the outcome is eternal life. Listen, holiness can't be manufactured. Must come from within, from the Almighty God. Oh, Jesus Christ is the true vine. Sending His life through the branch. And this is key. As you yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you will begin. Here's what will happen: you will begin to see things the way Jesus sees things. You will begin to react to things the way Jesus reacted to things. You will begin to have a heart for the things that Jesus has the, uh, the, the uh, has a heart for. You will you will be moved. You will be concerned about the things that that concerns Jesus Christ as you remain, as you abide in Christ, and that begins to be the fruit that begins to drip off. Of your life. Every child of God is to be growing in righteousness. That is the will of God. So the question we need to ask ourselves is can I point back to, to six months from now, a year from now, uh, or, or a year past? Am, am I growing in righteousness? Is there more of Christ in me than, than there was a year ago? If not, then let today be the fresh start. Let today be the, the starting marker, the, uh, the spiritual marker in your life that you can look back a week from now or look forward a week in a month or six months and say, oh man, I'm going to grow in righteousness because I am abiding in. Christ. The second fruit is the fruit of giving. Let me go back to a local farmer farming situation. If you plant even an acre of cotton, you are right to assume that one day it will grow, have leaves, and it will bud out, and a beautiful bowl of cotton will be produced. And if that doesn't happen, you'll find an expert to come and tell you what the problem is. Because if you put cotton seed in the ground, you expect that someday there is going to be a harvest of cotton. Cotton stalks exist to bear the fruit of cotton. That's why they exist. They don't exist to to bear the fruit of corn or to bear the fruit of apples or, or to do whatever they want to do. That's why they exist, to bear the fruit of more cotton. Listen, giving to God and in His name to others is the result of who we are and why we are here. When a branch receives from the vine, it cannot help but to give. 
When you taste the living water of Jesus Christ, when you recognize that, oh, I was dead in my sin, and my sin had a payment of an eternity in hell, but Jesus Christ paid that payment for me. Listen, you can't help but to tell other people of the living water, and you can't help to make it possible for other people to hear of the living water. As we do that, one of the ways that we do that is by giving back to the Lord. You know that giving to God is a command. And it is the only command that God gives us in all of Scripture. That God says, test me. When God gives us the command to love Him with all of our heart, He's the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Jesus doesn't say, test me on this. He just commands us, you do this. Love the Lord your God. It's the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all, when, love your neighbor as yourself. Test, he, Jesus doesn't say test me on that. He just says do it. Giving. God says, oh, test me. Look, Malachi. Or as I used to say when I was an early believer, Malachi. All right? Malachi, Old Testament. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Some of you even, when I said Old Testament, you're like, well, that's Old Testament. Well, listen, giving in the New Testament, is, we, can, we can quibble over whether or not it's a command to give 10% of the New Testament or not. Here's what I would say. We can quibble over that, but you know what the New Testament commands? For us to give our all. So we can have that conversation if we want to, but I'll win. All right, here we go. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. That was a joke. It's okay. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. You ready? Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Look at what he says. Test me in this. Listen, trust me. Give it a try. Take some of what you have, what I have blessed you with, bring it into the storehouse and test me says the Lord of armies, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Listen, you cannot outgive God. I know some people get, preacher starts talking about money, some people get really nervous about that. Listen, I'm not telling you that for my benefit. I am telling you that for your benefit. If you're struggling trusting God, then give Him some of your money and you see if God doesn't pour out the, uh, the blessings of heaven on you. I've seen it time and time again, personally, with others that I've seen it. I know God's Word. It is true. Listen, you take, I know many of you are getting your, your W-2s right now. You're, you're figuring out your, your year-end finances. You take what you made, you look at your W-2, and you look at what you gave the church. Not a designated account, not a, 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 a parachurch organization, but what you gave to God, and you said, God, this is yours. I trust you with it. You look at that. Here's my challenge to you. As you abide in Christ this year, 2021, trust God with what He has blessed you with. And you look at that. Maybe you look at what you gave last year and this year. Say this, God, I'm going to trust you with 1% more. I'm going to trust you with 2% more. I'm going to trust you with 3%. Whatever God leads you to give, I'm asking you to trust Him in that area. Oh, it's it's. It's part of the fruit of a person, a believer, who is abiding in the vine. The third is this, quickly. Number one, the fruit of a sanctified life. Number two, 
The fruit of giving. And the third is this, the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe this is the one we're most familiar with as it tells us in Galatians chapter 5. Listen, the Bible instructs the Christian to develop these personal qualities that it calls fruit. Listen, this fruit that Galatians is talking about is in direct contrast with the fruit of our sinful nature. I'm telling you, it is, it is one is up and the other one is down. They are direct contrast. One is black, one is, is, is white. And listen, there is a battle. There is a battle between the fruit of our sinful nature and there is a battle between the fruit of a, of, of a person, of, a, of the fruit of the Spirit, the person who is abiding in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, 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 will, you will struggle with these. These are, these are hard, but I'm telling you, as you abide in Christ, you will, find, you will find it to be easier and easier and easier as you abide in Him. Listen, when we're anchored in Jesus, recognizing He is the source of our life, and here's what happens. We begin to see the production of this fruit begin to flow out of our life. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through verse 25. Look at what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit, which is in direct contrast, it's, it's given us the list just a little bit above this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have, watch this, have crucified the flesh. Our, our, our sinful, the fruit of our sinful nature is our flesh. It's what our, it's what our flesh desires. It's what comes very natural to us. But those who belong to Christ, those who are abiding in Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Listen, the world can manufacture plastic tabletop fruit like my grandma used to have on her table in one of those little white... uh, bowls, milk, milk glass, I think is what it's called, all the bumps on the outside, you know what I'm talking about? And it did like little, a lemon and a lime. And an apple. y'all have, anybody? Maybe you still, if you have them, it's great still. Um, but they look like grapes. They look perfect. If you just dust them a little bit, you know, they look, they look real. The, the world can manufacture fake fruit. Listen, the fruit that comes from Jesus Christ. Oh, it's real. And it will bring you true joy. It will bring you true peace. It will bring you true confidence in the face of all of the unknowns. And that's what we need. That's what Jesus is saying. Oh, abide in me. You don't have to know all the answers of what's going to happen. Abide in me. Abide in me. Let my life flow through you. Now take care. Thank you for joining us for worship at FBC Farwell. If you made a decision for Christ, please let us know by contacting Pastor Russ at russ at fbcfarwell.org. 
We would love to connect with you and walk alongside you in your faith journey. We have some great resources to send you that will help you grow in your faith. As we close, I want to say thank you for listening today. If God leads you to give to the ministry of FBC Farwell, you can text FBC Farwell to the number 77977. Thank you for your generosity.